Life Audio. Today on Talk About That, I deal with a fire alarm during my comedy set and give a sound scolding to a would-be burglar. Meanwhile, John gets sucked in by the magic of Disney and will never recover financially. Then our dear friend Carlos Serrano joins us in studio to tell the story of how he went from GED to PhD and why being a learner is the best way to be a leader. Today's episode is not sponsored by Beats. They taste weird, but at least they also stain everything they touch. But first, a word from our actual sponsor. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening, who should call right now? Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Johnny, it's another week, another episode of Talk About That. Can you believe it? We're still going. No one believes that. No. I do, you know, you know, like next week will be episode, I think, 250. <sighs> Johnny, 250 episodes. What do you think? It's too many. What do you think about that? <laughs> I can't. Did be- you think we'd run out of stuff to talk about? No, I never did, but you always thought that. I just thought. We've repeated some stories, probably, though. Oh, sure. But I Like always, old people do. I always thought, hey, remember that time? You're like, you said that last week. Yeah. We have done it so many times that week to week, sometimes mm-hmm. I can't remember what we've shared and not shared. If that was like me and you at lunch. Oh, that's true. Or me and you on the podcast, or that- me talking to my other better friend than you. <sighs> oh, hurtful. That got hurtful. <laughs> I've been taking more shots at you out of the gate, and I'm sorry for that. That's really your job. You're going more aggro. That's my energy. Yeah. Like, I, You're I supposed to be like the slow pitch guy that I'm like, all right, I see this coming. <laughs> Sheesh. I have a new pet peeve, by the way. Okay. Uh, and uh, well, I, I think what it was is, you know how you get a pet peeve, but it takes your partner, your spouse to kind of put it in clarifying words for you. you go, that's why I hate it. <laughs> so I had a moment like that. Someone is coming back. We're in a restaurant. They're playing loud music the other day. And it's really loud over the speakers. And I'm like, this they need to turn this down. But somebody comes back from the bathroom and they have a large party. The party's not being rowdy. And as she's coming back, she's kind of doing a little. She's well, not singing. She's she's Curry bo- goes bobbing to the music. Yes, and she's having a good time. And it made me smile. I was like, I like that, you know, because like, if, but if it's a group of people and they're they're the loud people in the restaurant and they expect you to just like be okay with it. That's not cool to me. They're acting like the world is just for them. You know, it's like the people in the airport that stop to look. They go, huh, when is my... And their people are running for their flights. Right. They don't realize they're being a human flesh wall. But this woman was... And Curry described it for me. She goes, that woman's just bebopping. And I go, yes. I don't mind a bebopping person. I mind like a person who goes, who's going to sing it out loud and expect you to be okay in the restaurant 
but they're just internalizing the joy uh-huh. and they're, they're expressing it to some degree, but it's not intrusive. So I enjoy a good bebop, but when the bebop becomes outward, now get out of here. Then it's a because if we imagine if everyone was on a Zoom call in the airport all at once, which happens now, right? Or a, a, a FaceTime, they're with just no, like with no headphones. Why don't you tell him to put his diaper on then? And they they don't understand like what are you doing? Like if yeah. we all did this, it'd be chaos. Yeah. But if you're just like enjoying your life, that makes I mean, me happy. Dancing, like if you see diaper. somebody in their car with the windows up and they seem to be really into whatever song they're listening to, you like that. I like it. Because it's not messing with so you. So if you're out there and you're bebopping, hey, I'm on your team. Yeah. Just don't let the bebop out. <laughs> Which is my new hit single on Megaforce Records. You know what I mean, though? Johnny, I will say this. Maybe I'm just putting... You've being... thought about this a lot more. In fact, well, you've I thought to... about this enough that it may be time to see someone. Like, it's... What yeah. else What else really gets you well, going? Well, I think it's what's happening with the voices in my head. I'm just bebopping to them. <laughs> Every now and again, they get, out, they get out, and then it becomes a problem in oh, society at large. Right. But for the most part, I keep them. I press them down. Yeah. They only harm me. Well, that's good. That's what you That's want. how I feel. I don't know. That's I had another night terror in the hotel, by the way, the other night. And this one's a good one. Were you alone? Yeah, I was alone. And I'm in a strange hotel like every weekend now. So it's just because the touring's like really kicking in now. So... And the night terrors are coming back, but the melatonin traps me. I'm still there. I'm in it. But I look up, and my eyes are open, and I see a person in my hotel room slinking along the wall as though he's trying to avoid detection. Okay. And I shot up out of bed, like I'm still kind of on my elbow, and I said to him, (laughs) I go, no, sir. That was my that was my big If someone's there to kill you. And I said you, it to him. It's as though he went to the bathroom on the carpet and he's my pet. That's what you said to your dog. Yeah. It was a very like, where do you think you're going? Energy if you're to a kill burglar. Me, sir, you come do it and stop That's right. lollygagging That's against right. the wall. <laughs> and I'm immediately I'm embarrassed of myself for my reaction to this. Because then apologize? your eyes I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm not normally like this. Uh, oh, but it was it was very like, oh animated what? shadow in the wall. It was it was yeah. a very like John Driver to Sadie Driver age four energy. Right, no, ma'am. Exactly, you do not come. We in don't do that in this house, people. Yeah. So anyway, if you're out there, I'm. Who's they're not out there, Johnny? It's that's in true. Your head. That's true. I think the question is, if you're in there, the night terror was me bebopping. If you can hear us inside Johnny's head right now, just knock knock once on the back of his eyeball, so we'll know you're okay. But of course, then your eyes adjust. You realize not only did I say the wrong thing to the would be burglar, right? He's not real at all, right? I'm totally safe. Yeah. And then I thought I should tell this to America because <laughs> that's what's wrong with me. I immediately want to tell. But I don't know. Well, you got to let people in, Johnny. You Let's talk let about you, in. John, because you're going okay. to Disney soon. Um, I am. And it's, it's the cat's out of the bag, right? Like, this isn't a surprise trip. Um, it's not. Did you surprise. surprise Sadie with the trip? Did no. you do the big unveil? I've done that. The before. balloons come out of the box or whatever, and then everybody's supposed to. When she was like nine, yeah. we went uh, on Christmas break mm-hmm. and like her last day of school. Oh, and you did the princess up, package and all that, right? Um,. No, we or did just, I oversell we, it? You're like, no, we couldn't afford no, that. We remember that, Johnny? Um, <laughs> we did. <laughs> we just picked her up and told her, "Hey, 
We did the Cinderella package. Or, she had to scrub a fireplace. Right. It was. Uh, yeah, this was the. Uh, you don't meet her as the princess. You do right. Right. Package. Yeah. <laughs> Your evil sisters torture you <laughs> for the whole day. No, we took her home, got her bags, and went straight to the airport. Kind of. Okay. Thing. Oh, so, well, that's cool. But we started learning too, though, that her, the anticipation of Disney is part of the fun. Yeah. So if you remove like that whole multiple month of anticipation, you know. But no, we're she's old enough now. She's fourteen. We're really excited. It's uh, what a great dad you are. It'd be fun. This is our third, our third. And by that I mean you throw money at the problem. Oh yeah. Instead of parenting, I'm taking her to Disney. Yeah. So where there's no rules. Uh, Are there rules, right? Not at Disney, Johnny. You just get to run amok at Disney. Well, you can't just punch somebody. Wait well, a minute. You got to pay extra for. I that. feel like you know this from. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard, and my friend Jeffrey Holland, uh, who has a travel agency, right? Travelmation, right? Isn't that Travelmation? What's his uh, handle? Travel agent Jeffrey. Mm. Travel agent. There's Jeff. no way to know. Anyway, just look him up. Yeah, uh, he's put together a few trips for us, and he's great at what yeah. he does. But apparently, I have to have a conversation with him because there's a whole new rule now. Okay. It used to be fast passes and stuff, and you could pre. No, you yeah. still do your dining ahead of time. But now there's some new system where, like, every morning you wake up and see what's available. And, like, if you want to be, like, almost waitlisted, you pay extra for okay. that ride. So now it's, like, a real – apparently – Oh, it's a la carte payment, pay more payments? I'm sorry, Jeffrey. I haven't they're, spoke with you yet. They're nickel and diamond yet? I think it's nickel and diamond now. Yeah. I don't like that. And Because it's already a million dollars. Well, you know, they just got their old CEO You know, this back. Disney thing will this never last. Not, it's going to blow over, Johnny. There's no way. Listen, I mean, after the evangelical movement brought Disney to their knees, I'm surprised they're still yeah. moving at all. Remember the boycotts, and oh, then Disney goodness. went away for was, a while. Was that what? What decade of our lifetime? Was well, the first I mean, it's, Disney boycott. It's been a long. There's been a few of them for sure. Yeah. And uh, and you're feeding the machine. Well, yeah, I'm going to be feeding the machine. You woke son of Literally, a gun. I know. It's fine. You'd have you have a hard time boycotting Disney now because there's very few companies that they don't own. Right, big conglomerates. You can't watch any ABC shows. ESPN. You can't watch History Channel. ESPN's Disney too, ESPN, right? ESPN. You can't watch any ESPN. Wow. Like, how, guys, how bad do we really want this? Marvel movies, man. You can't watch Marvel. Marvel's everywhere. Yeah. I don't know. Well, isn't it though? It sounds like you were like making an inspirational speech, guys. Marvel is everywhere. <laughs> you just don't lose the wonder, guys. <laughs> it's all around us. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things all around us, Johnny. And yes. I would love for our listeners to just have a moment <laughs> to hear from some of those things that swirl about in our network. And so we're going to take just a really, really short break here to hear from just a few of our sponsors. And we're back. <laughs> Hey, today's a special day, Johnny. Uh, it's trash day. No, wait. <laughs> wait a that's second. not right. It's a different special in other ways. We have one of our good friends in studio today <sighs> on the podcast. And it's a, it's a little sad and exciting because he's going to tell us about some stuff happening in his life, but he's moving away. Yeah. Uh, and so it's been far too long. We talked about it, having him on. And so we would like to welcome today uh, Dr. Carlos Serrano to talk about that. Yeah. Well, hello. Hold for, for hold for applause. First time, long time. I'm, yeah, I'm here every week, uh, Car- listening and judging. Carlo's a listener, a loyal listener. Oh, he's loyal. That's yeah. the thing. Like you have friends, and then you have listeners, and you have friends who choose to also listen to your podcast. That's a rare. It's that's a, a Venn deal. diagram that's hard to. Yeah. So I took you with me in March of last year mm-hmm. on my first trip to Africa. I was going to Rwanda, 
And uh, I'd known you'd done the podcast, but I was that friend that would like all of your social and never listen to an episode. Like, oh, okay. Uh, I appreciate you, your candor. This is where the healing Just, begins. This is why I'm here to, yeah. to mm. put over it. But anyway, listen to one episode and was like, oh, this is great. And I think I, I forget which one of you I texted and said, hey, I'm going to take you and listen as much as I can. Right. And um, I think, John, you might have said something along the lines of, oh, that'll be crazy to see what we talked about. <laughs> so my first, like, 15, 20 episodes yeah. were listening to you get it right so much about the pandemic. <laughs> oh, really? You okay. guys were so accurate in what Interesting. was going on. I, I, oh, my goodness. I don't um, know. We want to go back so bad and those edit. Those were good times. I, did, uh, what did we say that was cringy? I'll be, nothing I, was cringy, okay, okay. but it was, uh, it was just – it was really – you know, cathartic to relive. Like, yeah, we all thought we knew what was going on. Yeah, right? for and sure. You, you, you guys definitely did not come off as thinking you knew it all. Yeah. But you were also trying to talk through in real time. And well, this is happening now, and this is what this yeah. could mean. Yeah. This is what this could mean. We wanted to have a take, but you can't be so certain. You yeah. know, you, when you have certainty, you lack humility, and then you come off. Then it's it's very, things age poorly. <laughs> yeah, it, it, and that was such a obviously a once Lord please yes, a once please. in a lifetime yeah, type yeah. of experience. It's not like when the Super Bowl is coming. We could pre-tape next year's Super Bowl show. Right. Man, that halftime show. Did you see it? Yeah, people <laughs> yeah. Were, can't believe they did that. We can. <laughs> it's a great idea. Actually, you can you can phone that in. But mm-hmm. something that in real time, like yeah. wait a minute, some I was in Hong Kong in January of twenty twenty of twenty twenty, yeah. coming back from a trip to Myanmar, really? Burma. So I was. I was in the airport when they announced travel to Wuhan was restricted. Oh, man. It's burned in my head because I used one of these crazy, like, it felt like getting into a spaceship type of a bathroom to use, like a family room that had all these buttons and doors. Uh So I was trapped in there. I couldn't figure out how to get this automatic door to open in the Hong Kong airport. And I finally got it figured out. And when I came out is when the announcement Came oh now. my god! I know that memory messes with us, and and some of that's not 100 percent accurate. Sure, but that's how I remember it. Uh, so when I landed, everyone was, "Hey, what's this virus?" Ah, shut up! It's just the news. Right. They uh-huh. don't know. I was that guy uh-huh. until uh, we had a student event that our, our church was putting together, and parents were starting to freak out. We're sitting there watching uh, Sports Center or something, and then we saw they canceled the tournament and they canceled the NBA, the NBA season, game. And yeah. That's when I said, "Oh man!" Yeah, I was watching the NBA game when they go, yeah. "You're safe. We just need you to leave in, a, in an orderly manner." And it's like, "Okay, this is." 25,000 people. That's too much money to walk away from if it's not something serious. And that's when I was like, "Uh uh-oh. And then we all went on that ride. So I didn't mean to go down there. No, Uh, no, you're fine. I want you to have to have a label now because we're talking about this. (laughs) That's right. right. Yeah, (laughs) we'll have the little warning. But uh, but I did did burn through like your first year of podcast. Do you know where I was when that happened, by the way? Where? I was at Disney. So this will be three years. That's sad. And we were there, and they were starting. We were hearing about it. I remember standing in line at something. I mean, we're all just standing in line. Yeah. With tens of thousands of people. And I remember, um, I remember like, Laura and I were talking. She's a nurse. And they were starting to put out hand sanitizer at the rides. Yeah. That was the thing that was changing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I remember going... Same thing you said, like, okay, guys, if this was some major thing, there's no way we'd all still be standing here. Yeah. Like, you know, this can't be. It has to, you know. Yeah. And by the time we were in the airport in Orlando, the airport was empty and had canceled almost all the flights. Yeah. But you got back. We got back. We were one of the last flights out. And we were sitting in, like, an empty airport. And I was like, uh. Right, So, right. like, Disney was our last 
sort of normalcy, and we came home to nothing normal. Yeah. Well, and a tornado had hit oh, right yeah. the week before. Right you know, before so, here, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah good times. Good, Dis- good conversation. Disney. You know, I get depressed hearing everyone go to Disney because you can go to London. <laughs> That's true. Like, London exists. Yeah. Like, St. Thomas exists. Like, yeah, I'm more I'm of a let's Florida, go tropical. So that's, right. th- let me, that's my disclaimer. Yeah, but Central Florida is kind of like. I'm a Floridian. I'm born yeah. and raised in Tampa. And so, I mean, I get that it's awesome. But uh, moving up here the last 20 something years, that just always baffles my mind. Like, wait a minute. You're spending how much money yeah. to take your family to Orlando? That's like, the middle you of Florida. You do know. All right. I get going to the beach. Yeah. Yeah, but Paris exists. Like you could actually spend that money and go to Paris. Yeah, and your daughter could be cultured, John. It's true. Um, well, we do walk or around taken, the countries. Or taken. Oh, that's true. You got the Epcot the and Epcot all that. Countries. Or taken. You could get taken. <clears throat> I forgot about that. No offense, <laughs> Europeans, true. but it, it's a thing. Yeah. You know, we plan on doing Europe at some point, too. Yeah. But no, I hear you. Listen, I was shocked as anyone when we first went because I'm going to use a word here, mm-hmm. but it was magical. And I was well, like, I mean, you're looking through the eyes of your kid, too, right? Yeah, that that's part what of it, it is. It's like, dang yeah. it. And you really spend a lot of time with your kid. Yeah. Like, you do. You, you stand in line, or you're at a restaurant, or you're at a thing, and you're like, this is magical. And w- especially when she was little. But yep. now she's 14, we're going to go ride some bigger roller coasters. And yeah. But I hear you, no, it's coming. This, oh, this may yeah. be the last Disney trip until, I don't know. And I have been multiple times. I've, I'm not anti- Disney at all. Just having been there. And so then, you're being hypocritical. And then been some saying. other places. No, I'm it's, saying now that I know what I know. Carlo's dead inside. I would choose. Here's yeah, the thing. That's true. No. On, Ontario is magical. You want to? You can go to Ontario. Uh, it's true. It's I'm, a magical town. Uh, yeah. <laughs> magical okay. little town. Their airport yeah. is not magical, but no, once you no. get out of that. Well, we drove. I've been to Niagara Falls twice, and we drove. We drove. We, Over. we drive. I'm in Ontario, Southern California. Oh, Ontario. Outside of LA. Oh, Ontario, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, no, the airport in Ontario is off. I thought you meant Ontario, Canada. No, I didn't mean it. Keep up. This is you're fine. I'm sorry. <laughs> Whose show is this, Carla? Let's talk about how we know each other. <laughs> yes, uh, we met when it would have been. I was trying to think about that this morning. Uh, I was uh, I was college pastor here. Yep. So I knew of you all by two, late 2005, 2006. Okay, I knew yeah. of you, mm-hmm. and I don't think we actually met until 2007. A year later, yeah. when I was running an, an internship and all that stuff, but. I wanted desperately to work at the church you all were working at and are working at. Um, I just desperately wanted to be on that team because it was so the opposite of where I was currently working as a pastor. Um, And I just gravitated towards Andrew and and all the guys. So uh, you, you, for a long time, anything I would read in like a book of how to do ministry, maybe in a creative way or actually just be yourself like i know you might not have felt like you were being that in that moment but uh-huh. to where i was from i was like oh well this is the closest thing to right. what's in these magazines i could actually meet and know these people so yeah that's i kind of knew well i didn't want to get into ministry and this church culture made me want to be in ministry yeah. so i totally understand like if i was at a traditional church in the same way that you were with a traditional staff or somebody that had like a lot of older ideas and they were kind of stuck in them yeah I wouldn't have lasted. I don't yeah. even know if I would be a Christian now, honestly. Yeah. Like, I think it would have, like, snuffed me out. So this was, like, everything I needed, too. So that's one of the reasons I moved here. Yeah. It, so. it, it for sure was just drawing. Probably my first memory was at a event we had uh, for college students here. And uh, it's the first time I'd ever seen someone, like, put something on a screen behind words that wasn't just – 
a mm. picture. It was like moving graphics. It yep. was like, oh, this right. is yeah, awesome. Uh, yeah. But you were emceeing it, Johnny, I think. And yeah. um, man, you made some joke about the University of Phoenix oh, and yeah, their yeah. online football team. And Do then, you know that's like, the first time I ever did stand-up? Yes, I did. I did know that. That was it. You told me that. You made some joke about that that stuck with me. Like this, I said hilarious. that I was starting a. I was going to be a campus pastor at the, the university campus of pastor at the because all the rest and then of us I were, put yeah. up like a chat. I put up a screen of like a chat that I had made, and I was trying to <laughs> minister to a student, and I was like something, yeah. uh, and then they came back, and their screen name was like Satan Chat Six 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 or whatever. Yeah, and I'm like trying to proselytize them. Yeah, because re- everyone in the room were all college pastors or had yeah. college some type of ministry. You made that joke, and then uh-huh. somehow later on in the night, you made like a '90s R&B joke. And oh, did, wow. like the the R&B bass voice, like oh, this is right. the moment, hey baby, like you did that whole thing. Yeah, yeah, it was it was awesome. So anyway, Jeez. that was the one I got sick at. Right? Yeah, that was the one that you couldn't be, and that's the reason I started doing stand up yeah. is because John was going to come and help me be the icebreaker guy. We were going to, I was going to play a guitar. We were going to sing a dumb song, do some funny songs. John got sick, and so I was like, now what do I do? And I just wrote down a bunch of like jokes about the colleges. Yeah, to roast the colleges that were going to be there because I knew like, UT Martin will be here. Etc. And I think I called them the Fighting Van Burens or something. It was just stupid. What's your mascot? It was just dumb, but it was all for them, and so they loved it. And if it hadn't gone well, there's no way I never ever would have tried. I feel it like again. was that the one for me. I remember you coming off the stage and saying something almost like, "I think I know what I might want to do." Yeah, I know. The next day, was... you were better, and I said, "You were in your office," and I came in and I said, "I figured it out. Yeah. I think I think I know what I'm put here to do." I re- it really was like a switch was flipped for sure. And that's crazy that you were here, Carlo. I was here. That, that was a monumental moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah I was, it was, I was crazy. Here. And and so every time I see like a Dustin Nickerson or every time I see Nate Bargatze mm-hmm. or Michael Jr., I always think of Johnny because I'm like, yeah, I had dinner at a restaurant with Mr. <laughs> Nate Bargatze on the night show yeah. after some crazy show in Clarksville. You that's know, we right. hung out. And that's right. We I got did. to see... You know, so many of those people because you, you ended up. I was glad I could be away. your conduit to actually talented people. <laughs> well, no, no, no. You're, you're, they would not have shown up if you were not actually talented. Yeah, they, I was just they good wouldn't at, be your friend. I was good at talking. Friend. Yeah, I'm good at talking them yeah. into doing shows at my church. That was crazy. I remember when the first time we had Nate do a show here, I didn't know who Nate was. And we were doing these shows, and I had done my dumb 45 minutes or whatever the year before. And then. The next year was coming up. Pastor goes, we'll get through the show again. And I go, okay, I only have like 20 new minutes. I'll have some friends do it. And then like I was going to have my buddy Brian Bates do it, Rick Roberts, who I knew could work clean and work church. And then Brian goes, uh, Nate's in town for Christmas um, from New York. Like he probably would do time if he wanted. I go, I don't know. My <laughs> pastor, he's really trusting me on this. I don't know this guy. And he goes, well, he just did Conan for the fourth time. I go, all right, have him come to <laughs> yeah, a set. Yeah. And of course he blew the roof yeah. off. But yeah, I've had some crazy, we've had some crazy experiences with folks who've agreed to do our church. for yeah, Nate Bergazzi doing comedy for about, I mean, it was about 40 college students had a yeah, he Christmas came and party. Did our, yeah. Like just our Christmas party and... He just was in town and was like, yeah, I'll yeah, do it. You look back now and go... Now he's doing Bridgestone Arena in right. two months. Yeah. Well, yeah. so we I used to run, um, uh, help run a nonprofit that did weekend retreats for soldiers and their families. It was called mm-hmm. Restoring the Warrior's Heart. We do these free marriage weekends just to help them with all that comes with that world. Yeah. And uh, Johnny did one of those for us. And then he would help me refer. So yeah. Nate did one of those for us. Oh, so I didn't know that. You talk about, this is Nate Bargatze in a room with like, you know... 
25 humans doing wow. stand up. John Chris did one of those for uh-huh. us because of a connection with John. So, yeah, just. Dude, we ex- comedians exploit each other is what we're getting yeah. at. We just. <laughs> <laughs> well, the main thing you got to remember about comedians is no matter how big they get, the main thing they love is stage time and making people laugh. So it's pretty easy to talk somebody into like, if you go, this is a great ready-made situation. Yeah. You're going to get laughs. Yeah. They'll probably going to say yes. Well, and in that instance too, you have the for the troops card. So yeah, you're talking, this is 2000, you know, 12, 13. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, the thrust of one big area. One other one's dying down. So it's pretty hard to oh, say man. no to, to something like that. But thankfully, John hates the troops, it. but I always say, well, why would you, I've, I was trying not to go there, but since you're there, so speaking of which, Car- Carlo, Carlo was a troop. I was. Tell yeah, us, I was talk about talk that. to us about that. Yeah, yeah, I spent five years on active duty, served uh, my last, what got me to this part of the world was yeah. serving with the 101st Airborne Division, Air Assault at Fort Campbell, went to Iraq 2003 to 2004 with them, um, and was out of the military by 2005, and uh, just knew we wanted to stay there um, in Clarksville, loved the area. Yeah. Love being around soldiers. And as we grew in ministry and did various things, I just always had a connection to soldiers. Yeah. You can't escape that living in Clarksville. Um, and then a church network that I eventually connected to is headquartered out of Fayetteville, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, which is the New York City. It's the epicenter, yeah. of, especially of the U.S. Army, Special Ops, Airborne kind of universe. Mm-hmm. That's home to the 82nd Airborne Division and Special Operations and all kinds of other stuff that I won't bore you with. But that church man a church is uh committed to having an expression of man a church everywhere the u.s military is represented so okay. we've identified 273 locations uh with this mission called multiply of we want to just see an expression of our local church man a church there um that came about because you know you go to a place in your active duty you're there for two years three and a half years then yeah. you do what we call a pcs permanent change of station so you move or you do what they call end of service in ETS, and you get out. So imagine you move to a town, you get plugged into a church, you find your community, you find your people, you're growing in your faith, and then you have to leave. Yeah. Starting that all over again. So that's one perspective. The other perspective is you're the church leader who invests all that time and energy, and then people go. So Pastor Michael Fletcher at Manor Church, Fayetteville, he, th- he just got tired of, I think it was like 1,109 people a year the church had to grow by to break wow. even. Wow. Because that's how many people were coming and going. And so he's like, yeah, "Yeah, I'm just tired of missing the opportunity. We're going to start planting churches wherever they're going. And so long story short, what was one church with several locations in Fayetteville, Fort Bragg, is now one church with 20-something expressions. Uh, And and one thing that's freeing about it is the expressions are everything from what we call a microsite, which is basically a house church, Mm -hmm. to a multi-site. So a church that has multiple locations. And it's just really cool to be a part of that. Um, and then I am connected through the university that that school started, Maine University. We can talk about that stuff later as well. But all that to say, most of my ministry has always been connected in some way to who I would call like the warrior class of people, soldiers and their families and yeah, wow. really good stuff. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. that's your background. So it's yeah. cool. I mean, um, yeah, I, I never really have. We've never really talked a ton about your time as a soldier, like. Uh, and I'm always fascinated by that. Like, I think it's such like a. It's almost like a calling to me when I see somebody who's like. And uh, but yeah, it makes sense that you'd be able to like really reach that people group, and you be you feel called to them after the fact too. 
when I met you, we were you were doing for a while. You were doing campus ministry on Austin P. Yeah, I just started that. Yeah. So I was at a very traditional church, yeah. and um, I kind of talked my way out of being like the single adult guy, yeah. the single adults pastor. Right. Um, and I just had a frank conversation with the pastor and said, "Listen, I can't be effective if my demographic is age eighteen until dead." Like it's really hard to talk about, you know, right. sex and marriage when there's a someone who's been divorced three times and they're sixty in the room with someone who's eighteen. Yeah. Like, how about I just do young adults? We pick an age group, eighteen to thirty, and he's like, "Yeah, that sounds great." So yeah. I took that and ran with it. So we started an internship program. Uh-huh. That was great. My my mindset was, well, there's a bunch of old people in this church. I need to get some, you know, yeah. motivated young people here who actually love God and want to be here. So we uh, essentially uh, tricked a bunch of people to give us money to be in our internship. To, you know, yeah. that's, uh, that, that's that's not all the way how it happened, but it's close. But it's close. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> but it's close. Um, I and smell so, a scandal. And so once we had that, then I realized, okay, there's not really been an active uh, ministry from our tribe yeah. on Austin P in a long time. Let's give it a go. So when I met you all, we were in the early days of trying to see uh-huh. what we can do. And I learned very quickly, one, because of the the church I was at, and two, just because of who I was and where I was in life, I wasn't going to be the guy. And within like a year of us doing it, thank God, the guy showed up to Clarksville and wanted to do that. Yeah, uh, His name is Jonathan Miller, and he's still leading oh, okay. amazing multiplying like very, but you, got, very you built the foundation no though, no, no. Oh, I, come on what man. i did was i i hung the drywall incorrectly oh, right. i let the water moisture come in okay. and cause the mildew and so he came in and demoed <laughs> all of my bad work and, and actually built something uh built yeah. something great there but yeah that's really i was in the early days of of doing that college i remember course. austin p though because you had me come in and do a thing yes, i've been sir. doing comedy like Eight months, maybe. And, and you remember like, what happened, right? Of course. Yeah. That was another one. Do you know this story, John? Okay, I went. No, no, you weren't at this one. No, that was MTSU. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in, a, I'm in a classroom, basically, where they were having their meeting. And so people are at their whatever desk. Uh, it's like almost like stadium area. Okay, was this a fire alarm or something? Fire alarm goes okay, off in the middle story. of my set. And it's one of those <laughs> things, too, where I don't know what I would do now. Right. But when you're, when you're so young in comedy, you really have nothing to lose. And for whatever reason, we go outside, single file, and they were just waiting on the hillside. And we were there for another 30 minutes. So I just started telling jokes out there to people on the hillside. And when I think about it, it makes me go, what in the world was I thinking? Like now, even 15 years in to my career, like I'm going, what made me do that? Mm. I wouldn't do that now. But then it was just like, ha, hey, they're here. They're not going anywhere. I think it even started raining. Yeah. It did. It and then we went back inside, and then I went back to whatever. Wow. So weird. But yeah, and so I, I, I've had people ask me about that show, literally, like, that we're at that thing. Yeah. I've seen them since then. We were at the Fire Alarm deal, and I'm like, oh my gosh. That's your next your next album? Yeah. The Fire Alarm is. deal. Johnny W. Fire Alarm Comedy. Mine, so here's the truth. My next CD, I've already got the name, because I've got the signature thing that I want it to be called. Okay. So I did this show in... Texas. You're not going to tell us where it is, though. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to set it up. Oh, okay, okay. So I did this show in Texas and uh, at a gigantic church there. And um, so Tony Evans was there. It's a marriage event. This was Friday night. So I'm doing my 25 minutes of dumb jokes, and then Tony Evans is going to come out and just bring the fire, okay? Tony Mm -hmm. Evans is amazing. So I'm already a little intimidated, and it's 5,000 people are in the room, 
there's another 4,000 watching at different campuses and online. So I'm already like, all right, I need to do well here. But I have this new bit I've been working on, and I've been doing all these events in February where they all have these – we have our buzzwords like missional, global, and then the big one is intentional. we got to be intentional with our family, intentional with our marriage. And I said this to them. we got to be intentional with our family, intentional. And I believe in that. And I go, and if I've offended anyone here tonight, it was intentional. <laughs> <laughs> and it got this big laugh. And then Tony Evans comes out, and he starts his thing with no notes. I mean, you could tell, like, he's just on. And he's just going into his whole thing. And he goes, the key to marriage is one word. And I was, I started sweating. You know when you can like feel the tumor forming? You know? <laughs> yeah. Like I was like, I've ruined this guy's sermon. He's going to say intentional. And now I'm the guy who made fun of that. Thank God it was covenant. Yeah. <laughs> and not intentional. But I'm telling you, for that like five minutes while he hemmed and hawed around what the word uh-huh. was going to be, because he sold it and did the cliffhanger thing of like, it's one word. And then he went back to it. And I was like, if he says intentional because he's not watched my set yeah. and had a chance to kind of move, <laughs> I'm gonna, they're all just going to be snickering at him. And then Tony Evans is going to hate me. So anyway, uh, Tony Evans does not hate me. That's good. And it was Covenant. He's so. a master. He's a master communicator. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Evans... Um, Listening to Dr. Evans speak in 30 years, yeah. people will speak about him like we speak now about people like Martin Luther King. Yeah. Like that's who Tony Evans is in, in Christian space. He was the first African-American to graduate from Dallas Theological Seminary. That's right. Um, yeah. he, there's a school right up the road from his church in Oak Cliff called Southern Bible Institute and College. My good friend Terrence Ford's the president there. And... That school, SBIC, is essentially a historically black Bible college. Okay. And Tony Evans, when he was a student at DTS, used to teach there. And SBIC was kind of the training ground for future scholars. Um, DTS would kind of send their students there um, to study. But anyway, to to open up for that, like, yeah, that's that's one to keep keep in your journal. Because I'm telling you, in 30 years, it's the equivalent of, I can't believe I just... You know, shared space with well, and the yeah. proof. Yeah, and the proof like is that. that he's done two other events with me and did not remember me. So I'm not the guy that <laughs> yes. he wrote. He did yeah. not go home and write in his no, journal. No, no, no. I remember him. I remember him doing one in Nashville that I went to. Yeah, that you were. That's uh, right. It was. It was at the municipal. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, because I had two for Lifeway. Two friends speaking that night. That's right. I got to hear former President George W. Bush. Yeah. Because of you. Yeah. Like. Some gig with you telling a couple of jokes got, yeah. got us in the room to hear the yeah. president. Uh, yeah, speak. I wasn't right. there at that one. You but weren't yeah, at that, that one, was but it. You, uh, but I got you. Yeah, you I, got I think I got you in somehow. This one was uh, Huckabee was running. Huckabee was running. And he basically 2015. Yeah. And he basically gave a stump speech. He gave a stump speech. It was like a, a Christian. And then event. when he got off stage, I had just been on before him, and he spent like his first few minutes talking about me. I'm going to get that guy up. And John goes, "You could be writing for." Yeah. It did not work out. Well, <laughs> things, things shifted. Some things, yeah. So, uh, Carlo, you know, man, one of the things we love um, about you, obviously, is your heart and, and love hearing all the things. Um, I love the intellectual side that you bring. Talk to us about your educational journey all the way to PhD and, yeah. and sort of where that's taking you now, where your passions are there, and, and sort of, you know, share with us that side of, of your life. For sure. So I grew up in Tampa, Florida. I hated school, hated every piece of school, hated every minute of it. It was boring. Um, I love to learn, but I hated school. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I can get on those soapboxes even to this day about, man, we make it really hard. Um, 
But I, I experienced some some life altering trauma, tragedy early in life. My father passed away suddenly when I was about fourteen. Mm-hmm. We moved to Ohio for in the middle of. Uh, in the middle of winter, my freshman year of high school. So I was already struggling with faith. I'd grown up. I was that kid born and raised in church. Literally, that's all I'd known. Okay. So I, there's no moment in my life where I did not know there was a Jesus who died for my sins. And like, I have no, nowhere in my life was that not a reality. Yeah. As you know, that doesn't mean I had a personal faith. That doesn't mean I was yeah. walking after him. So I was already struggling with some of that leading into early adolescence and my father passing away and then my mom moving us to Ohio. I jokingly tell people if I wasn't struggling of is God real before moving to Ohio in December from Tampa, Florida, yeah. absolutely convince you there <laughs> cannot be a God for this to happen. <laughs> um, no way. Uh, so uh, anyway, I, I really was struggling with that. Does God see me? Does God know me? Does God care? Fast forward a couple months, we moved back to Florida mm-hmm. um, and uh, my mom, couldn't handle me and my, my siblings, uh, and God bless her, you know, to, to lose your husband of 26 years mm. and have an 18 year old, a 14 year old, a 13 year old, and a five year old. Wow. Like, um, my mom was a trooper to not kill us all actually. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I powered through school, football kept me in school, but I just hated it. Um, and the, the summer between my sophomore and junior year just radically transformed uh, my relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Uh, he became mine, my personal faith. I became like Carlo the Baptist walking around school with a Bible. Like <laughs> this was Jesus freak movement, you know, the, the, the second coming of the Jesus freak movement, not yep. the seventies, but the nineties version of it. Yeah. Um, and, but still I, I hated school. So I dropped out of high school. Um, accidentally, I just stopped going <laughs> like, I stopped going, and I was in a band, a Christian band, much like you all were, and uh, we would go record in Lakeland, Florida, so I'd miss a week of school, because I'm in a Christian band recording. Like, that's the irony. I'm yeah. skipping school right. to go record these songs for Jesus right. with my high school friends, and my mom just didn't care. She she was kind of checked out in the discipline wide. So, finally, she says, hey, man, you need to just go get your GED. And I'm like, that's a thing? I, you mean, I, I don't want to sit in some boring class and learn yeah. math and geography. She's like, no, 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 I'm just going to take you. So she took me unannounced, uh-huh. signed me up. 24 hours later, I was there taking the test. I took the whole state of Florida GED test when I was 18 years old. This is about April, I think, of the year I graduated. I took the whole test in less than two hours, which apparently you don't do. Hmm. It's longer than that. But yeah. I just crushed it, breezed through it. And then as I'm signing out, they're like, okay, where do you want to graduate from? I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, we don't give GEDs in Florida. You get a high school diploma. It says high school diploma on your piece of paper. And you can pick whatever school in the county you want to walk with. Wow. Um, so I was the first person in my family to actually participate in a commencement exercise and walk across the stage with Leto Adult High School and get my okay. diploma. Wow. Uh, and like three months later, I was married. Like, yeah. that's my crazy life. Wow. So, so like three months later, Jamie and I were married. Uh, don't do that, kids. Uh, but that's, that's what I did. Um, so I, I'm, I'm trying to speed this along. I, I, I basically married young, got a job working, got tired of working behind a counter, got tired of feeling like people making me feel like I'm stupid because I work behind a counter. Mm-hmm. I was working at a music retail store. I don't know if y'all remember Mars Music. Uh, it's yeah, like yeah. the Walmart of music stores. Uh-huh. I worked at a Mars Music and... Um, my wife, Jamie, comes from a military family. She's an Army brat. And so just conversations with my mother-in-law led me to join the military. So I joined the military, fell in love with the military. And it was when I was in the Army, active duty, that I finally got the itch to, I want to learn. 
Yeah. I don't want to get a degree to become a something. I'm a soldier. And I started taking business classes and loved it. Um, and then these guys flew some planes into some buildings. You've heard of that. Mm-hmm. That that kind of paused my college sure. track in, in the military. Got out of the Army post-Iraq. Uh, by then, I'd started doing Bible college because I really knew. I was called to ministry at a young age, but knew, okay, I need to pursue this for real. So did some Bible college, um, got a diploma in pastoral ministry. And then did nothing for like three, four years. And a mentor from our church said, hey, whatever you do with your school money, don't get another ministry degree. He's like, you already have all the education that this tribe of Christians says you need to have yeah. to do this job. If you're going to get a bachelor's, go learn something. Like, go get a different degree. So mm-hmm. that ended me up uh, years later, finally being able to go back and work on a bachelor's degree. So I got my bachelor's in psychology. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, again, I was just in love with school. At that time, I was a lead pastor by this point, so I was able to just take as much school as I want. When you're the boss, you can say, Tuesday is school day. And right. so I didn't have a lot of those restrictions. John knows all about that. He, of course he does. <laughs> John so takes so much time. He does. Yeah. So I, I got my bachelor's in psychology, then jumped straight into a master's in pastoral counseling. And then I was at a crossroads. This is 2013 with, okay, now I have this master's in pastoral counseling that I don't think is really helpful because yeah. I want to get a doctorate. And this master's doesn't directly connect. And a dear friend of mine, Steve Crowther, we were at a event with our church network, and he, he said, you need to go to Regent University and get a PhD in organizational leadership because you can concentrate in church leadership, but it's got this global leadership perspective, too. And he's, like, giving me the sell. Like, this is, like, one of the most well-rounded doctorates you can get. And he said, and while you're doing that, come work for us at Grace College of Divinity. And I'm, I'm sold. Like, yes. So started working in higher ed while I was working on my PhD. Um Grace College of Divinity started giving me more opportunities to teach, and then I started pursuing other options. And so by the time we get to like 2016, 2017, when I finished my PhD, mm-hmm. I was working as an adjunct for Grace College of Divinity, for Regent University, for Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida, for Hopkinsville Community College in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, for Carolina University in Winston-Salem. I just had developed this entire academic ministry career while still serving as a lead pastor, then a teaching pastor. And uh, in uh, 2020, the people at Manny University, Grace College of Divinity, eventually changed their name to Manny University. And they uh, shoulder tapped me and said, you're going to be the next president of this university. And uh, it's going to be about a six-year transition process. And so that's summer 2020. That was what was going to happen. By the spring of 2022, Dr. Crowther uh, passed away. And so they said, no, we're going to accelerate that timeline. It's going to be 2023. So in about 100 days... I'll be installed as the president of Maine University, Fayetteville, North Carolina. It's huge, man. Congratulations. Man, that was a lot of words. Meet no, the new so boss. Sorry. That was, no, it was great. So much. Are you, so it's it's a big move, though. It is. And uh, yeah, it's a culture shift, too, for sure. I mean, it's going to be a military base town, so that'll be similar, right? Yeah, and it's also a tribe of believers that I've been hanging with since 2010. Oh, right. That makes sense. Yeah. So it's not new. I yeah. mean, I was a lead pastor, a part of that network. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was already going to North Carolina two to four times a year for other things. I was already been working at Maine university since 2013. I think there's only two people on our current staff and faculty that have been at the university longer than I have. Wow. So I've been yeah. in, in it for a while, but the That's, position is the change. I like how you framed your journey though, of like, you kind of became a learner and that is part of what made the difference for you. Like I've talked to Tim Hawkins about that before, about how like he, 
he thinks the reason that he's so prolific is that he doesn't see himself as a guru of life. He sees himself as a learner. Yeah. So he's just a curious person and it makes him write more because he's just looking at life instead of trying to make a, have a take on everything, a presumption of everything. He just goes, I wonder how that works. Yeah. And he tries to dig into it and that's where the jokes come from. And I think you said something before we started and I wanted to dig into it cause I think it's such sure. a funny, it's almost like an Enneagram thing. Like, uh, when somebody gives you a little cue into their mindset, you said you listen to us on 1.5 yes, speed. 1.5x. And, uh, and I don't listen to podcasts that way. I want their real voice. And I, like, I, I, think I, I think I'm a very, like, my comprehension goes down when I'm listening at full speed or at high speeds. Yeah. So I'm trying to, like, make sure I'm chewing on everything that's happening. And, uh, but I know some people listen to our podcast on 1.5 now, and you do. And I'm like, maybe that's... I think John would be one of those people, but you're not. Are you, John? Do you listen to? It depends on the podcast. But yeah, if I need it, if someone's like, hey, you got to listen to this, I usually have to do 1.5. Because you want to get it and like get everything well, you need so you yeah, get to the next thing. Right. That's that weird balance of I, I want to process this and also. Well, Carlo reads like 100 books a year, too, and he's right. back. Carlo so that's the deal. Carlo is extremely prolific in his and and hit, like he was he reads it, he reads it he reads at 1.5 he's just <laughs> he's going, going man yeah. well he was talking about his like even his daily routines i mean there's a lot of discipline there um again i called him another day cuz i needed him to i was like hey i got this crazy huge book proposal thing he's like well i got this book deadline i haven't even started but sure i'll do it like the, the man's got capacity you got a capacity on a whole other level of I being don't, able to like i barely have the bandwidth for this friendship Right, Johnny and I are holding on it word is by a thread yes. right now. It's like it's a so if he goes, "Hey, here's some homework," I go, "I'm out, I'm out, man, yeah, bro. Yeah. I don't have to do this." But there's I, other people that won't ask this of me. <laughs> well, I love it because you've written about you. You have sort of a catchphrase. Uh, it was uh, one of your book titles uh, was from GED to PhD, right? Yeah, yeah. That's still a book idea. I need to write that thing eventually. <laughs> I mean, but I love that. Like, there's you know, we talk about that on this podcast some. You know, learning is not about yeah. – I love it that you're an educator now that's going to help another generation understand what real learning is about. Yeah. That it's not about degrees and those kinds of things. They may be necessary for some of the path, but um, you do you, – you exemplify that love of taking in new knowledge. And I think it's a part of both your intellectual and your spiritual identity. It, it, it's, sure. it feels like those things are fed together through similar streams. Well, you're an educator too, so you know – the worst thing that happened to education is we stopped learning. We stopped learning to become someone, and we started learning to become a something. Yeah. So we started. Yeah. I go to school to become something instead of becoming someone, mm-hmm. and I think that's the difference. So I'm much more. I, I want you to learn to learn. I don't want to. Even being a part of a Bible college that believes in the, the Bible is inspired and authoritative, and we want people to have a a true Jesus worldview. I per, I prefer that term of a Jesus worldview than necessarily a biblical worldview. Although I I get what people say, mean when they right. say a biblical worldview, but I've read the whole Bible, and there's some of that that I actually don't want to frame the way that I think. But then there's nuance in that, and you have to teach right. people prescriptive versus descriptive. And, and, right. Yeah, that's what yeah. I mean. And by the way, I just realized I could get in trouble with that. What I mean is prescriptive versus descriptive. Yeah, what yeah, I mean yeah. is when I read the book of Job, I don't care what his idiot friends are saying. Yeah. They're the goons in the story. Right, right. You know, when I read the garden narrative, if Satan is talking, he's lying. I don't want to, he's yeah. not going to inform right. my Let's world not view. quote him as truth. Yeah, just because it's in the Bible. Also, yeah. I am a Christ follower, so I'm not going to be driven by the Hebrew scriptures because that was a different thing. You know, so, right. um, so, but I do believe in having a Jesus-centered worldview and, and, and taking cues from his followers and what yeah, they yeah. said and what they believed. Um, so you want to become something. So even in that, 
I'm still careful to tell students at our school, we don't really want to teach you what to think. We want to teach you how to think. Now, there are some things where we will like draw the line and say, hey, this is what we believe is is accurate and correct. Right. You should do that. Um, but then there's a lot of stuff where, no, we you need to wrestle with this. We're going to equip you to have yeah. a Christ-like worldview based on the Bible so that you'll know what, you, what if this is truth, what if this is not truth, where's the lie in this. But we want you to learn. We want you to learn how to think, how to process this. Stuff. Yeah, I think that that, that – releasing people into the wrestling is a scary thing as a leader as sure. an educator as a parent it's a scary thing i think i've come to the place after so many years and johnny and i've you know i've had so many kids are now adults you know in various ministries that the wrestling is coming with or without us mm-hmm. and i've just kind of like i know as a dad it's something i'm working on like there are times i could just sort of and i will give the hey this is how i feel about this yeah. But I've tried to be careful not to just hammer home a point of, well, now I can stick that into a category of my brain called, you know, already known. Like, I, she's going to wrestle with that eventually. I would rather give her the right tools to do so with. Or, and I love, again, that Christological ethic of, you know, the lens of Jesus is not just some catchphrase. Like, the Bible can become. In, and by the way, the enemy was the, the the one who did this the most. The scriptures can be twisted yep. to different means mm-hmm. and ends that then God in, intends whenever they're taken outside of a Christological ethic through the lens of Jesus. So that's why it, it, it's not like some nouveau woke thing to say yeah. that that's, that's our worldview is going through a Jesus lens. Like that's actually what Jesus said. In fact, I you shared that scripture the other day. Uh, you guys – Speaking to religious people, he says, you guys search these scriptures because in them you think that you're getting eternal life, but you don't realize these are the scriptures that point to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, so if, if you're, if you're using these scriptures because they were against me, yeah. like you're, you're, this is not the intention of the one who spoke these into existence, right. which was me. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, and even Paul yeah. said that to the church. He said, we don't even have to say this anymore. You are the message now. He said that to one of the churches he wrote a letter to. Yeah. Like yeah. In, in, in a perfect world, we become the message. We inhabit it. You know, or it inhabits us. So, so yeah. this is, this is the importance of the world I'm in now. Biblical higher education. This is what we're trying to teach people. Yeah, that this book is good and it's accurate, and you can trust it. It's been vetted more than any other book in the history of books. And and if you follow the evidence to where it leads, it's going to lead you to man. I can trust this more than I can trust Plato. More than I can trust whatever pop stuff's out there. Yeah. You can trust the Bible. Not because of the Bible, you can trust the Bible because this, as Andy Stanley would say, this guy died and rose again, and mm-hmm. he said this stuff is true, and that we we can believe it because yeah. of that. One thing he says is the Bible isn't the point of Christianity. Jesus is. Yeah. So if I start with this resurrected Jesus and frame my apologetic around that, I'm actually not going to have any problem with the Hebrew mm-hmm. and Christian scriptures. Um, if I try to nitpick in, into those scriptures, that's where I may find myself getting in trouble. So I love the process of helping people understand that. You can stand on this as we believe it's God's word. It's yeah. true. It's for you. It's yeah. good. Um, but also understanding the approach of approaching it like like uh, a Christ follower. Well, and what that does too, and I appreciate with our conversations, is it allows you to not be a worshiper of the Bible, one. Because I, I know it's a weird expression, but I have met thing. people that it's almost idolatry for them that it's – And what their idol is is their interpretation of correct. what the Bible is too. It's like, a, it's like a, a, an application of the Bible apart from the disposition of Christ – 
cannot be aligned with Christ. Like, um, if you if you use something that Jesus said in a way that Jesus never used it, mm-hmm. so so there's some correction there. But I also love it about what it does is is it allows us to understand that Jesus there's a context to discuss a Jesus worldview outside of just biblical things. Meaning we can engage cultural things. Yes, we can engage social things, and we always lean into scripture. It's not it's not an issue of throwing that out. But there are some you know we and, and uh, Carl and I talked about the book that Reggie and I wrote, Not So Black and White, just on the racism conversation, there are some Christians who are so offended by those conversations because they go, uh, my whole Christian viewpoint is just about reading the Bible and going to church. Like, it, it comes down to these practices, and specifically, if it's not, if you can't show me that directly in the Bible, now we, we put more scripture in that book than I can possibly, I mean, I, I yeah. think there, I don't remember how many hundreds of, of references in there. But someone else always has another scripture, you know, to pull yeah. out and take it a different way. But to say, hey, what we're not looking for here is for someone in the first century to write for us verbatim, word for word, exactly what we're facing uh, in the 21st century, because that's not going to happen. What we're looking for are the principles of Christ applied that yeah. we're going to have to now put into the context of where we are. And so I like that larger view that you're taking yeah. it allows us to uh, to bring the way I love this I love this expression bring the ways of Christ to what's happening in the world and, and because the words of Christ lead to the ways of Christ um, that's something we use a lot with our church I try to use even with my own daughter like hey God's ways are good and trustworthy yes. and so when you're confused on you know interpretations into a language today that didn't even exist when they were written <laughs> yep. when you're when you're dealing with the cultural context of those things it yeah it can get you out of out of out of whack but god's ways are a comforting thing when you come into understanding a grace first mindset understand god's ideal path for you being not being isolated uh you know coming into places of confession coming into places of of complete selflessness towards others of generosity like when you lean into god's ways of helping the marginalized and and the displaced uh being present for the refugee um god's ways are so good and they resonate with everybody yeah Yeah. everybody resonate with those things you know and that doesn't exclude calls to loving living Love, living in a loving way. It doesn't exclude that. So, yes, Jesus is going to say, I don't condemn you either. But he does also say, now go and sin no right. more. We got to talk about that. Well, what does that mean? What does that look like? It's especially in our Western style of Christianity. We love that piece of it because we can detach ourselves from whatever that person needs to stop sinning <laughs> exactly. in. Exactly. And right. we can start to harp on on that. So I love teaching just through that, the Jesus's metaphor of the kingdom. If you're going to talk about Jesus and teach Jesus things, you might want to start with what did he talk about the most? And Mm. that's really what he talked about the most, this new kingdom, this new way. Um, So on all of these issues, whether it's race and racism or, or women, that's a big thing in church space right now, women and their role in leadership. I, I just wrote a chapter in a forthcoming book on women in leadership. And I make, I make a statement in that, that no thinking person should disagree that sinful humans treat each other poorly. Like, Let's just get all of the other cultural language and all the hot button words we use around this. Can we just agree that broken human beings historically treat each other like trash? Yeah. 
because of what they look like or because of where they're from. So let's take all these other hot button things, you know, the, the, the Marxism and all the, right. let's take all that stuff out of it. Those are very important things to talk about, believe me, but let's just set that to the side and just agree. And I think if we can get to that place, people who may not want to hear anything about what the church should be doing as it, as it comes to race and re- and all that i think they'll change if we can get them there yeah if we can just get can we just agree on that do human beings treat each other you've actually people have told me this in 2020 oh it's just a sin issue i agree with you now what is that sin let's talk about that right let's call it by name let's because we 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 Christians historically, especially here in the U.S., especially in the South, we don't have a problem doing that with so many other things. Mm -hmm. I had so many people call me in 2020, what do we do? How do we respond to this and this tragedy and this tragedy? And and I'm sorry to not, you know, uh, mention names. There's real names, real human beings behind these tragedies, right? Um, People would reach out to me, what do we do about X? Mm -hmm. And I would just be baffled, like, what do you mean, what do we do? You know what to do about abortion. You know what to do about the latest thing you're protesting. You know what to do about this political candidate you right. think is the devil. How come on this issue, all right. of a sudden, you have no clue yeah. what to do? Um, and, and I learned from some friends that, well, part of it is people don't want to say the wrong thing. You don't want to get in trouble. You don't want to yeah. go too far or not far enough. I get it. It's complicated. But if we just reduce it back to what is this about? Human beings treat each other like trash. Jesus showed us a better way to treat each other. Can we just agree that maybe we should start treating each other? Like yeah, I always thought it was fascinating that people who believed in total depravity could not believe in systemic racism. I was like, systemic racism is an example of total depravity. It's a broken system with broken people where we start tribalizing each other and we right. divide each other and yeah. sub- oppress each other. So it's like, to me, it fit completely within a biblical narrative of what, we say, what, what the Bible says humans are outside yeah. of Christ. Yeah. So it made sense. It made sense to me. It was easier. I mean, again, you point the finger at yourself sometimes. You're like, where are my biases? Where, you know, what do I need to fix? But I could always make sense of it in some ways. And I think it was offensive to some people to be like, but I'm not. They, they, you think you're, you know what I'm saying? They think it has to come from them. You're like, I, I don't know. Yeah, that was the whole, that was the whole, I think, sort of path that exposed issues in my own life, which is where we began. And I'm still on that journey. We were talking today. Like, there, there's not like I can complete that journey or get yep. all the things right. What I want to do is be formed by Christ to be present in not just the racism conversation, but in a lot of places. I will say I have found myself in situations in life um, that I've really shared more with community and other people where I responded differently because I think there's been some formational change mm-hmm. where even I would I was there maybe as a as a go-between or a buffer to, to help someone else in a situation that I wouldn't have been paying attention to before. Yeah. Um, but that all comes from when you talk about Jesus talking to, which <laughs> I'm sure when you teach this, you know, the woman caught in adultery. Yep. That section, some manuscripts say that that story may have been added later. You yep. know, which is again it's great, great reason to go study uh, the scriptures and study the <laughs> canonization process or understand how things go. But regardless, I think that story, you know, has so much merit to it, and we see this in many other stories. So it doesn't have to be just on that one. But the reason the go and sin no more worked was it was spoken by Jesus, that's number one, to a person who had already interacted with Jesus and trusted him. And so like that, that, you're right, when we mass sort of produce that message to others, Mm -hmm. 
apart from someone having an interaction where they know they need and felt empathy from us. Yeah, well, they felt loved by Jesus. They right. felt because salvation. Uh, you know, um, oh man, give me the give me the Greek word for saved. Hold on, I got this. Is it? I got this. I don't got this. I used to have it. Soiza. Isn't it? Isn't it something like You're that? You're thinking of soterion? No, that's. Um, what is the Greek word for safe? We don't. Johnny was Sosa. Johnny has all the education. He should be taught. So Johnny, check it out. I don't know, guys. Forgive me. It's not important. It's not important. The whole the word means rescue, though. Like she was rescued in that story. Sure. They were about to kill her. She's rescued by Jesus. And I think until someone recognizes, like I need rescue, and there's someone who wants to, then my my willingness or ability to absorb without offense a go and sin no more message completely changes. And I think it's that, it takes that like, and Johnny, you're the one always said it, I don't know where you got it from, it may just be you and your brilliance, but you know, you you always say, you know, when we talk about um, someone, when we talk about stopping sin, we never mean our own. Yeah, I love the sinner, I hate the sin, we never, like hate your own sin, start there. Right. (laughs) <laughs> and that's the message of Jesus. It really is. It is yeah. a. It is a. The 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 scriptures, the gospel. I mean, there's a mirror. Yeah. Right. You know, and you look mm-hmm. into that mirror, and the image of Christ shows you. Oh, I'm not what I. I'm not where I should be. I'm not even alive. You know, without this. So I mean, there's just a. Then it's a beautiful message. Like the message of change is supposed to be a beautiful message of rescue. It's not supposed to be a message of condemnation. And you right. cannot give that message to those who do not realize that there is a savior who wants to rescue them. For sure. I know yeah. we only have a few couple more minutes with Carlo, but I want to say this that we talk about wrestling with things and I don't know if you know this, you probably do, but Carlo actually wrestles. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. With, I, yeah, I don't wrestle. I do jiu-jitsu. Carlo rolls around wrestle. on the ground with yes. other grown men. Against their will, weekly folding someone's clothes while they're wearing them. Yeah, I don't do it weekly. I, I'm I'm not going to be. He breaks I, people in half and bench no, presses the pieces. I don't want to be a poser. I don't train as regularly as I used to, but I, I, mean, I still know some stuff. Were you black belt, right? No, brown belt. Yeah, brown belt. Almost black belt. <sighs> brown belt. See, I'm sorry, I had to make you downgrade there. No, and like, the beauty of jujitsu is it's a long process. I mean, it could take you 20 years to earn a black belt in jujitsu, and you can get a. Uh, and I mean this intentionally. You can get a black belt in taekwondo or karate as fast as you go to classes and give them the money. Yeah. Like, so if you're listening and you're a karate person or a Taekwondo person, I mean that with every ounce of disrespect as possible. <laughs> wow. Like jiu-jitsu. Shots jiu-jitsu. fired. Brazilian shots jiu-jitsu. fired, which is against the principles yeah, of Brazilian, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. jiu-jitsu. You're not supposed to fire shots. I think Brazilian jiu-jitsu is the most complete martial art there is. It's very hard. It's a very long yeah. process. And uh, I'm being facetious. Those other martial arts are beautiful as well. Um, but the, the point is it's, it's a long, it's a long, long process to do that. But I don't wrestle. Wrestling is its own monstrosity of a discipline, and I would never insult a wrestler to say that what I do is. But wrestling. you're down there trying to get a guy to tap out, right? Aren't well, you like putting him in holds? Well, that's true, but it's not wrestling. Wrestling is it's 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 a, it's a whole other. But it's close. Right? It's mixed martial arts, though, right? No, it's not. No, no. man, what are you doing? No. No. I don't know what I'm it's talking mixing about. All no. this stuff. So here? mixed martial arts. Can you make me tap out on the you air? Drape yes. your leg across your neck right now. I can't do that. <sighs> like a uh, scarf. I can't do that. Yeah, no. Mixed martial arts is just the combination. Of, oh, I you see. Know, one person has a skill set in this, another person has a skill set in that, and they see which. That's how it started. Like, so can a boxer like, be to this? And now it's this well rounded. So, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is like regular Jiu Jitsu, but you're hairless. Is that what you're yeah, saying to yes. me? You do a yes. whole Brazilian wax. Yes, I was yes. gonna say they bring so these are these swords with meat on them. No, yeah. these are slippery people, John. Yeah, you can't imagine. Can I get yeah, you some? But more? I definitely, I definitely, I, I don't want to. I would rather offend a karate guy than yeah. offend a wrestler. That's how. 
different wrestling right. is. But if they come after you, you're ready. Well, yeah, I'll do my best to. to I, you, you think you could take Ralph Macchio? Is that what you're saying? Well, who can't? Present day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my word. Have you seen the guy? He's, 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 he's so scrawny. I hope they have another season, by the yeah, way. I, will, I really I, like I, that I, I did want to talk about your 1.5X thing, though. Yeah, it's that, okay. That was fascinating that, that you noticed that. Yeah. So I, I am. You know, we all have trauma that influences the way we live our lives. Of course. Some would tell you you need to heal that stuff and move forward and don't let it connect to anything you're doing now. I think there are some things that are bad that happen to you that you can absolutely redeem for good stuff. So I was embarrassed in elementary school. A teacher, you know, basically shamed me publicly. And I just kind of purpose, I'm never going to let anyone make me feel stupid again. Right. Um, and so just this drive to learn. So I read a lot of books and a lot of that just comes from that place of, I don't like not having the answer and the answer is in that book. Why would I not just go find the answer? So I listen to the podcast a lot because yeah. I, my brain is just, I process fast. Yeah. So it's not that I'm trying to get it in and get out. It's no, I'm, I get what you're saying really quickly. Got it. Let's go next thing. So I try to constantly feed my brain as much as I can. I think there's nice. something to that, that I've adjusted with comedy in that when you start out, you're like, You've got jokes and they're way too long. And then when you have to start shortening those jokes to make them like just enough words to get to the laugh and get to the next joke, it feels like you're being robbed a little bit. You're like, yeah, but there's other stuff in here that I really like. And then as you get further in it and you realize, but if I cut this down, I can get that same laugh with 15 seconds that I was getting with 30 seconds. Now there's a whole other 15 seconds for me to get another laugh. And you realize like it's a gift you're giving yourself. And I think you have that attitude towards learning. And I just want to make a lot of money in comedy. Hey, there you go. (laughs) Uh, so That's, we're really opposites. Yeah. It's, right. it's kind of the same, except I want to be a diabolical. Can overlord. you make a lot of money in comedy? No, but I just want to believe. Yeah. Well, I mean, some people can. Well, yeah, yeah but, but it's some people, talented people. Can. And we're all we're all going to play in the NFL one day, right? When we're playing pickup football. Yeah, I might get elected uh, senator. I still know thirty-year-olds who think they're going to be rappers. So let me just. Yeah. Uh, well, John, you want to get into it? I think I could do it. You could. <laughs> What's the thing you can do? The what did you do? What's the the what? You said you can do some kind of sound. When we talked about it, when you were going to do a hip hop record, <laughs> you make remember. you make some sound with your mouth or something. I can't well, remember I what it was. Just a little bit, but that's I don't know if anybody wants that anymore. <sighs> that was mean. Some of you thirty year olds, you can be rappers. But, yeah, I'm sorry, guys. but also please make sure you can pay your bills on your way to right. your, your your rapping career. You're gonna want. Here's the thing: if you want to do something artistic, you're gonna have to have a, you're gonna have to have at least for a season, probably another job simultaneously. That's yeah. just true. Say that for my two music major sons. Oh, I know, man. <laughs> yeah, you need a Your day kids job. Kids are the guys. best, though. It's I'll, good to yeah. have it. Yeah, yeah. So I still have a day. I have a day job and try to be creative still. So that's okay. But yeah, Johnny's the only one who's broken through now. Like, look at you, man. I'm just, I'm just broken. Is what's happening? <laughs> I don't know if I'm through anything. It's fine. Yeah. Well, Carlo, we sure appreciate uh, this yeah, great time. Thanks today. for your time, man. Yeah, it was awesome. And we're going to, um, you know, even though you're going to be living away, I'm sure you'll come back and visit. Absolutely. And, um, we'll look forward to getting to hang out again. And so tell, is there anything you would like to promote today and you want the people to hear about? Yeah, I really want people to check out Mana University. Go to mana.edu if you are considering starting education or you, maybe you took some time in college and dropped off. Or if you're just hungry to learn, we talk a lot about about that definitely if you feel any type of a call towards what we would call vocational ministry working in a church or starting a church or like that we would love to help you out we're arguably one of the most affordable 
Bible colleges, Bible universities in the nation, top ranked, top 20 Bible university in the nation. So check out mana.edu. We got programs from certificate all the way to a doctorate of ministry. Uh, and we would love to connect you with our team. That's great. All, all programs offered completely online as well. So nice. Can't beat it. Yeah. Well, congratulations again. I'm, I'm so excited for that university to have your leadership. And I uh, know you're going to lead them to amazing places. So uh, you should check out other stuff going on around here, too, like JohnnyW.com, J-O-N-N-I-E-W.com. Yeah. Guys, the, the man is prolific as well. He's, he's everywhere that you could imagine a person could be. I can't believe I was traveling, John. I'm going, a lot of, I'm going to beautiful scenic Salina, Kansas oh this my weekend. Gosh. And, uh, and just everywhere. He's I'm, everywhere. I'm doing a 50th anniversary party, a private party for somebody next week in Ringgold, Georgia. Wow. And you're not invited. Because right, it's, it's a private, private thing. Just very exclusive. I don't know how it's going to go, but I, I'm doing it. <laughs> it's going to be just me in the corner of a room being like, happy 50th, and you wanted me. Here's my joke. Hey, you never told us the name of your, of your future comedy record. Oh, it's going to be called... Uh, it, it's going to be called Intentional. Intentional. Just yeah. Intentional. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It's going to be called Covenant. <laughs> in honor of Tony Evans. I figured it had Intentional in it, so... Yeah. Oh no, you should check it out, man. Go to Johnny's website. Uh, you can also find anything that I might be doing at johndriver.com as well. Search uh, for his books on Amazon. 42,000 books, John's It's written. crazy. It gets it gets bigger every week, so... It does. Got stuff in the hopper, doing a little writing, so fun times on that. Also, I'd like to take a second thank our team at Life Audio for their partnership with us in this podcast. You can go to lifeaudio.com. You'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in our network. they got stuff like prayer and Bible study, parenting. There's some funny stuff out there. Pretty cool stuff at Life Audio. Excited to be partnered with them. Go check it out, lifeaudio.com. Thank you for the time you gave us today. We look forward to having another episode of this lovely conversation next week on Talk About That. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for working everything out for my good. Help me trust in your perfect plan. Amen. Father, thank you for loving and caring for me. With Christian prayer meditation, you can pray along to prayers based on specific topics. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Christian prayer meditation. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com. Dot com.